Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here breaking down week five in the NFL. Patriots beat the crap out of the Dolphins. My good buddy, Rich Hill, here with me as always. Rich, the NFL season is already officially a quarter over. Don't know how that happened. And I think I say this every week of every podcast we've ever done, but I have no idea what's going on in the National (laughs) Football League. And I don't think that was maybe ever been more clear than looking at the results of this past week's slate of games. Are you, are, have you watched them all? Do you know what's happening? Can you please shed some light on the situation? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think every week this year we've gone in being like, I don't know about these matchups. Like this looks like to be a stinker. And then like, yeah, sure. You get a Colts Broncos game, which is an absolute stinker. Um, but uh, you get some weirdly competitive games other than, you know, the, the games that went as expected, the bills absolutely smoked the Steelers 38 to three. Um, everything, pretty much every other game, like went down to the wire other than like jets dolphins, but that was due to like injury just to, to quarterback, but like Ravens last second field goal win over the Bengals, Justin Tucker, right down the middle chiefs over the Raiders fourth down stop by the chiefs that frustrates everyone. Eagles held on to a, a victory over the Cardinals because the Cardinals missed a field goal at the end of the game. Uh, like you look across the board, uh, the Patriots game was probably the biggest news fest, and I had a lot of fun there. I think even the Browns lost to the Chargers due to a, a last-second missed field goal. Uh, Giants had a huge comeback against the Packers. It was a relatively exciting week for every team outside of the AFC South. No, no, it was. You look across the, the scoreboard here, and almost every single game was, was a one-score game. Um, with the exception, or one of the exceptions, was Jets – Beat the crap out of the Dolphins. Now, I know the Dolphins are down to their third string quarterback. He's a rookie. And so you got to give that in a consideration. But 40 points is 40 points. You're not having you're not playing against the quarterback. The Jets have looked pretty good the past couple of weeks. I mean, uh, is the AFC East are the AFC East and the NFC East suddenly the best two divisions in football? And if so, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. Uh 
No idea. The yeah, <laughs> Cooper rushes five and zero as a starter for the Cowboys. I don't think that there was going to be any sort of like controversy with Dak, and I think that Jerry Jones has been very clear that Cooper Rush is not going to take the starting job. Um, but yeah, like Daniel Jones and the Brian Dable, you know, head coached Giants, extremely competitive. Definitely the front runner for you know, head coach of the year. And this Jets team, they're pretty. I don't know if they're fun is the right thing to say, but like they got some pieces. Like, like I, I'm pretty impressed with how they were able to pull up like, you know, a 40 burger. Uh, Brees Hall had 197 yards from scrimmage and its score. Michael Carter had two scores on the ground. Old friend Braxton Berrios put up a touchdown by running. Uh, so this is not like an aerial assault kind of a thing, but also like this is a strong dolphin secondary. So they did everything that they needed to do to compete. Um, and they just wiped the floor with the the Dolphins. You just couldn't get anything going. So uh, I, I my thought is that this Jets team is not going to be as easy of an out as we thought. I'm afraid that you're right, Rich Hill. I really figured the Jets would be one of those soft games the Patriots can use to tune up some stuff and, and get their usual two wins on the year. But, I mean, the entire AFC East is just a powerhouse, it seems like. The, even with the Patriots and their, their fourth-round rookie blowing the doors off the highest-scoring offense in the league. And I hear all this offseason talk about the AFC West and how nasty the Broncos are going to be with Russell Wilson. The Broncos stink. The Chargers needed a last-second field goal miss to take out the Browns, who I don't know about you, Rich, but I cannot figure out the Cleveland Browns to save my life. Are they good? Are they not good? They seem to be right in every game, but also out of every game. That's a wild <laughs> thing. And then the, 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 the Chiefs and the Raiders on last night's game, really questionable coaching trying to go for a long bomb on fourth and one when you have a field goal kicker who's so a lot of weirdness happening in the league and the Ravens who are a good team barely beat the Bengals I, I don't know man and and the Eagles, Eagles <laughs> I don't know. this is just a, a weird weird week weird weird season and you said it at the beginning of the podcast Rich I know it doesn't make any sense and it's hard to really break down from those of us who pretend that we know what we're talking about when it comes to football but it's a lot of fun to watch Oh, totally. And you know what? This is a perfect transition as any to talk about uh, both a fun game that was also just not what anyone expected. Patriots blanking the Detroit Lions 29 to zero. Like, I think we all felt good about the Patriots being able to beat this Lions team. Uh, I challenge anyone to, you know, propose that the Patriots would have won by such a massive margin. Uh, Patriots just locked Jared Goff down. The Lions were 0 for 6, an NFL record for, for futility on fourth down. Patriots were pretty efficient on offense. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, absolute beast. This defense stepped up. Alec, for all of the like weirdness that happened this week, Patriots going 29 to 0, what were your thoughts on this game? My first thought is, what exactly is it about Bill Belichick that scares Jared Goff so severely? He just does not score points against Bill Belichick-led defenses. And I also feel like it wasn't as much. And definitely, I want to give credit where credit is due to the defense. But I also feel like on a very questionable fourth and nine call that ended up with that Matthew Judon strip sack to the Kyle Duggar touchdown, which more or less put the game away. I feel like off just wasn't the same after that. He was really indecisive and inaccurate, and they just never really got their, their feet under him after that, that game-changing, momentum-shifting play. 
But look, I mean, I always said from the beginning, this would be how the Patriots win football games, even with Mac Jones in there. You are a run first team. You have the, the two headed beast in, in Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And then you make smart throws. And you were talking before the podcast uh, officially started recording, Rich. How massive is the return of Jacoby Myers for this offense? Because he has clearly shown, be it Mac Jones, be it Brian Hoyer, be it Bailey Zappi, he is the guy they go to. And I want to ask you, I don't know if he's a, a in the truest definition of what you considerly considered the term, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Jacoby Myers is a legitimate wide receiver one in the Astro Football League. Ooh, uh, that is that is a sentiment. Um, I think that Jacoby Myers is crucially important to this offense. Would I go as far to say that he is a, a true wide receiver one? I I draw the line there. Uh, I think that he is just he is a true safety blanket. I think that he has been doing a better job this year than in years past uh, as it relates to picking up yards after the catch, moving the chains. Um, do I think that he is someone that you could put out there and, you know, one on one against like the opposing team's top defensive back? I don't think so. I, I think what he is for the Patriots is exactly what they need him to be where you have Devonte Parker on the outside, or, you know, even get, they put in Taekwon Thornton after it was clear that the Patriots were going to win. Uh, but you had Parker on the outside and basically what the Patriots just did a very good job of was just draw up plays to get very simple and quick reads for Jacoby Myers and Billy Zappi to connect and they just chipped their way down the field. Like the, the Lions were hoping that Zappi would make a lot more mistakes than he did. Uh, I, I think that Jacoby Myers helps limit those mistakes by being a good and reliable option. But I also think that he's kind of a you know a, a product of just pure volume in the sense that like yeah he he is the team's number one receiver. Uh, but also he uh, just is a, a vacuum for taking up those targets and just moves the chains very reliably. I don't think he does anything special. And I'd be curious to hear if you think he does anything special, but I do think that he is just, uh, you know, he's been a missing piece for this offense because you have the speedster uh, and Aguilar. If, you know, he stops fumbling the ball, you have a big target in Parker who can jump up and do contest on the outside. They just didn't have a reliable player coming out of the slot uh, to take advantage of the open space that these receivers are making underneath. And then, you know, lo and behold, the return of Myers gives you, you know, three receivers uh, with Myers, Aguilar, and Parker who have put up 100-yard games this year. Yeah, again, I don't think Kobe Myers is a Mike Evans or a Jamar Chase type of player. You don't have to game plan for him. But I think he's the next in line of a very proud lineage of Troy Brown and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman of these kind of slot receivers that get the most receptions and move the chains and are the guy that your quarterback goes to when you need a first down or you need to play. You don't have a Rob Gronkowski. You don't have a Randy Moss, but you have a Julian Edelman and Edelman. My, I would argue for a lot of time was the wide receiver. Number one for the Patriots, even though they had Gronk and that he was kind of the, the, the big threat target. So that's kind of my definition there for Jacoby Myers. He's just like the most reliable guy. And he's the guy that you need to make a play. And he does. And the fact that he's able to do it with Bailey Zappi, I, I don't know how much reps how many reps Zappi and Myers got over the course of the season. I know that Zappi sees reps with the first team every week, just in case situations like this happen where he's forced into action. But I can't imagine there's this magical rapport between Jacoby Myers and Bailey Zappi. However, seven grabs for 111 yards and a touchdown. He got a touchdown pass. I'll, I'll take it. 
for Jacoby Myers. Uh, but I think it all ultimately came down to two things. Uh, three things I'll say, actually, Rich. Well, we're still on the offense. Definitely talk about the defense a little bit because that's the, the star of the show. But the three things are, and they're all related, Bailey Zappi, as you mentioned, made no mistakes that I can think of. I can't think of a single time where he made a, 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 a egregious error. Still had some rookie moves, very slow to release, kind of locks on his number one read. That's just expected for a rookie. Uh, two, phenomenal offensive line play, particularly on the interior. Zero sacks for Zappi, kept him clean all day. And related to that is we have our boy, Ramondre Stevenson, mm-hmm. going absolutely hog wild, 161 yards, including that 49-yarder. And those combination of those three things, a smart quarterback doesn't make mistakes, protecting offensive line in a good running game. I mean, I think pretty much anybody could have stepped back there and won that game with that game plan. Oh, totally. I mean, there was a, a, a stat going around from, I think it was like next gen stats or something like that. But uh, a, the Lions generated zero pressure the entire day. Uh, but within that, I believe the stat is that no Lions defender got within four and a half yards of pressure with Zappi. So it's like, it's not even just like a clean pocket. It was just like a pristine pocket. Um Isaiah Wynn had a great day out there. Obviously, he like, had a penalty out there. But uh, I, I think when you look at how he had been performing this year, that was one of his best performances. Uh, Marcus Cannon was very clearly the sixth offensive lineman who just like was a road grader when they needed Stevenson to pick up some yards. And that played out really nicely. The entire offensive line was solid against a, a Lions defense that you know, isn't missing pieces. Aiden Hutchinson with top pick um, that, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez is a pretty good linebacker coming up the gut with generating pressure, just crashing the line of scrimmage. Uh, But like the pieces just didn't pull together for the lions. And so you got to give credit where it's due. That offensive line made both the the passing game and the running game work. Uh, we talked about on our preview that Stevenson and Harris, you know, the Patriots rushing attack, were, were going to be in line for a you know Jonas Gray esque performance <laughs> against this Lions team, and they absolutely delivered. Um, I would be remiss, Alec, to finish this podcast or finish talking about the offense. I'll say without giving massive credit where it's due. Uh, to the oft-maligned Matt Patricia. Uh, Revenge game for him. He is the Patriots' offensive line coach. He's also the one that, you know, pulls together the offensive play calls. I know Belichick also says that, like, he gets the final say, but, like, this is the Matt Patricia offense. Um, And this was as good as I've seen from a strategic standpoint. Uh, You know, give credit to Joe Judge for getting Zappi prepared as well. Um, But... What we saw from this Patriots offense that we hadn't seen in previous weeks or that we've seen them build over and over is a cohesive strategy. I think that was a criticism that we said for the first couple of weeks is that uh, this offense wasn't telling a story. It was like someone was like picking random plays out of their Madden playbook and was like, oh, yeah, maybe let's try this here. It felt like they were building something. Uh, where you know one play led into another, one run call fed into a, you know Zappy a wide open pass to Jacoby Myers. It, there, it was telling a story in a way that was easy for Zappy to execute. Um, he had uh, you know Patricia had this offense clicking. The offensive line was prepared, and uh, I can happily say that you know for each week this year. Uh, it seems to me like this Patriots offense is getting a little bit better and better and better, even with the turnover at uh, the quarterback position. And a big part of it comes with, you know, limiting turnovers, which they've done a great job. They, they rank uh, second worst in the league in offensive drives that end in a turnover. Um, but they've done a very good job over the past couple of weeks uh, in protecting the football. 
And honestly, I think uh, Matt Patricia is getting a better feel for what this offense can and can't do um, and is setting them up for more success. You know, they listen to the criticism. Kendrick Bourne is playing more, which is essential. Uh, but you got to give credit. Like this is Patricia is showing the growth that you would have wanted to see on the offensive side of the ball. That makes me feel like, OK, yeah, maybe this team is in fine enough hands over the rest of the year to continue to build and, and uh, not just be an like object disaster like they were over the first couple of weeks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. It's almost like if you're new at something and you're learning about it and you keep working at it, you get better. It's like a weird strategy that I may have to employ in my life. I'm not very good at <laughs> I keep learning and getting better and improving and making mistakes and learning from my mistakes and pivoting and adjusting as necessary. Maybe I'll get pretty good at it if, if I keep going at it. This isn't but Patricia's first time around. You don't want to have somebody learning on the fly when the season, the games actually matter, but you're definitely seeing the improvement, which is great. And again, I don't want to ever be happy that somebody got hurt i genuinely hope damian harris is okay because you cannot ride Ramondre stevenson into the ground every single game but knowing that there are two backs with similar skill sets right there allows the patriots to spell and keep running the ball the way they have which is fantastic however rich i gotta be the turn the punch bowl i always do they scored one touchdown offensively totally the other was on the other was on that that strip sack fumble recovery nick folk Five for five, 17 points on the day. Two extra points, three field, uh, five field, uh, three field goals, excuse me, or five field goals. Um, I, uh, this team cannot keep going down the field and settling for field goals. You saw it with Matt Jones. You saw it with Brian Hoyer on that one drive he had. You see it with Bailey Zappi. If this team can't score touchdowns, these games are great, and the defense will keep them in it because they we have an elite defense, but – this is just has to change. And I, the real concern I have, Rich, is I just don't know how they're going to do that because the tight ends aren't getting involved where we thought they are. Jacoby Myers, I love him. He's not a red zone threat. Nelson Aguilar is a good deep play threat, but they don't really have, when I'm in the red zone, I'm out at the 15-yard line, I'm going to this player more often than not. And unless they can fix that really, really soon, uh, could take a turn for the worse in the later months of the season. Oh, uh, I totally agree. I mean, 0 for 4 in the red zone is unsustainable. The Patriots are, like, lucky that they were able to, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, be so strong on defense to be in a position where it didn't come back to bite them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, one thing that we saw, uh, I, I, the Patriots have really struggled in the red zone ever since Rob Gronkowski left the team. That's been the case for the past three years. It continues to be the case. There's just like a complete lack of imagination or ability to connect with wide receivers and their bigger targets in the red zone. Um, they had that stretch last year. It was like, is Hunter Henry the guy to, to fix it? And then it seems like that was a mirage because that's just not happening anymore. Um but there's just something that I see like last night uh, on Monday night when the Chiefs were playing the the Raiders, uh, Travis Kelsey, tight end of the Chiefs, had like seven catches for like 24 yards and four touchdowns. So it was like a preposterous ratio where it just seems 
so easy for some other teams to scheme ways for their tight ends to get mismatches in the red zone. And the Patriots are paying their tight ends bajillions of dollars to not put them in a situation to succeed, to not be the red zone threats. Like you have Devonte Parker, you have their two tight ends. I know that Johnny Smith is like not available right now with his ankle injury, but you know, this predates his ankle injury. You're spending all of this money on these players that are meant to be the game changer inside the red zone and nothing's happening. And when the field is that compressed, uh, and obviously, like Mac Jones has thrown multiple interceptions in the the red zone, some his fault, some not his fault. Um, but when you're not having that level of success, that means that there needs to be more creative offensive scheming. If I'm the Patriots, I, I just need to you know rebuild this red zone offense. Like they had some success against the the Ravens, but it was mostly like running the ball on the ground. And if you're not able to pass the ball in the red space then you're playing with one hand behind your back. And obviously, honestly, like even more than that, just because of how crucial a strong passing game is and how much of a difference it can make. Yeah. You can't go over four in the red zone. That's just unacceptable. You know, you don't want to rely on these 50 yard bombs to Aguilar, these seam routes to Jacoby Myers at the 30 to get your touchdowns. You have to be able to score inside the red zone. You cannot go over four being over four is a very, very bad stat. However, Rich, you know, what's a worse stat over six. That's a much worse stat. And that is, what the Lions, that is what the Lions did on fourth down against the Patriots. And again, I'll actually I'll give Dan Campbell a pass for a number of those fourth downs. It's like fourth and yeah. two or fourth and one. They were down. They had to go for it. I still will never understand the fourth and nine play call. They're, you're in field goal range. There's only six nothing at that point. But that said, holy geez, did the Patriots defense show up. Stuffs on fourth down, fullback runs for no gain, stopping guys in the back backfield, quick out routes swarming to the ball, hands down the best defensive performance of the year, not even close. The fact that the Lions put up so many points the past few weeks got shut out. Now, was this situation more of a just a, a Patriots being that much better than the Lions? You think it was a scheme thing where they had the perfect scheme dialed up, but they just had Jared Goff and the Lions number, a combination of both? What do you think was the contributing factor to this dominant performance on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was definitely, uh, you know, we talk about the Patricia revenge game on offense. You got the Tavai revenge game on defense. He led the team in snaps at the linebacker position. Uh, but honestly, I, I think it was uh, just every player on the Patriots showed up. Uh, Jack Jones playing his heart out at the cornerback position, forcing that interception. Judon showed up two sacks. This is one of the things that we talked about uh, before uh, on our preview podcast is that Judon, I believe was my defensive X factor is that he showed up, he got into Goff's head. And the, as you said, after that fumble, Goff was not in the same. And that's what we were, we needed uh, to see from Judon and he did it. And, you know, he had two additional uh, quarterback hits after that. So he was generating a lot of pressure. Uh, the Patriots had players at every level step up. They were sound up the gut with their defensive linemen. Godshaw and Barmore played some of their best games. They did it without Lawrence Guy. Uh, and, and I think the thing that the Patriots needed, uh, they they got. Like, they won every crucial matchup in a way that like I hope they can continue to build from it um, because this is not a hapless Lions team. They were dealing with some injuries, absolutely, but this was a strong team that has produced against a lot of defenses. Um, I think honestly, the biggest thing is that uh, I don't think that the defense was as good as, you know, the, the zero points allowed in the sense that like, you know, are they a top five defense? Can they put up shots against all offenses? Like, I don't think that's the case, uh, to your thing. Like 
I don't think that if you, you did it again, would they go force the Lions to go 0 for 6 on fourth down again? I doubt it, but they did it when it mattered. Uh, and so kudos to everyone across the board. Um, I, I think that there's just a lot to like from the youth on this defense. And I, I think that like the future of this team uh, on the defensive side of the ball is in good hands, you know, with the Barmore, with the Jack Jones in uh, the the duo or even like the trio with Jalen Mills out there. But the, the Jack Jones, John Jones duo uh, with, with Mills out there as well is truly one of the best cornerback duos that you can see because they just limited Amon Ross St. Brown to, to almost nothing out there. Yeah, he had four catches for 18 yards on the day. He's the number one receiver. <clears throat> How about TJ Hawkinson? One grab for six yards on four targets. He had like a buck 79 or something like that last week. Absolutely went ham. Covering tight ends has been an issue for this Patriots team historically, not just this season, but last season as well. And I'd like to attribute that was the, you saw Jabril Peppers got a lot more reps. Adrian Phillips had a great game. Uh, we're talking about great trios. I just love that, that Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, Kyle Duggar kind of mix and match. You can put in there with the linebackers and get a couple of those safeties in there. That's such a confusing look for non-cerebral quarterbacks. And maybe that's a big factor. Maybe Jared Goff just can't quite read certain types of defenses as well as other quarterbacks can. We'll continue to see. What I'm really hoping happens here is whenever a defense pitches a shutout, I imagine it's a huge point of pride for them and they can really rally around it and they start playing downhill and it gets really fun for them. And if they can continue that momentum going forward, that could really, really bode well, particularly as Mac Jones gets back healthy again. You mentioned Tyquan Thornton getting back involved in the offense. I don't know if you watched any of the, the replays, but there were a couple of plays where he was totally behind the defense. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time before he breaks out for one. This team can hang with anybody, I think, especially given the fact that the NFL is so weird this year. Parody is alive and well. But I got to ask, Rich Hill, even though it's a shutout, I do think they didn't play as well as the score dictates. Were there any areas you saw from the defense on Sunday where you think they didn't play as well as they could have or a better team could have exploited them or something along those lines? Yeah, honestly, uh, I, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth too much here. <laughs> like, like, zero points and zero points. They did a great job. Uh, like the Lions didn't even really like move the ball super well. You know, third down defense, Patriots were uh, four and 12, which is like a very strong ratio. That was very, very good. Um, the the rushing game, they allowed only 3.7 yards per carry, which is also very good. Uh, you know, only 229 passing yards allowed, which is, you know, very good. Uh, I know that the Lions were dealing with injuries. Amon Ra like, was like their fourth receiver as it relates to snaps. So like they were definitely like not putting him out there. Um, so I, w- I would say that, the challenges that I saw from this Patriots defense uh, is not something that I would like feel a strong need to overemphasize. I think like if, if there is one thing that the Patriots need to do better coming out of this game, it is that red zone offense. Like the Patriots were able to win uh, and like go downhill, as you said, on defense because they were able to build up that lead. Uh, but Settling for field goals is not a sustainable way to be able to build up that lead for the defense to go downhill. Um, And I I think that that is an area that, you know, one hand feeds the other. And, uh, you know, the the better the Patriots are on offense, the more unique things, the more downhill the defense will be able to play. And and they haven't had that opportunity to play downhill as much over the past few years. And it shows that, you know, they still got it uh, if they have that lead because this is a defense that's built to play with a lead. 
Um, but if it's a, a more contested game, then I, I wouldn't expect this defense to have uh, performed as well because, you know, when you force the opposing team to be one-dimensional with their passing attack, it makes it a lot easier for your team with the, that strong roster of safeties, as you said, and the strong roster of cornerbacks to, to kind of take advantage of the matchups and, and be in a better position to continue to lock them down. Yeah, that is a big factor. I think the fact that the Roy- the Lions had to more or less abandon the run in the second half. They still gave up 100 yards on the ground, the Patriots did, but the leading rusher was Jamal Williams. He had, what, 50, 55, 56 yards, so not a massive, massive hole to be exploited there, but you got to factor in the, the fact the Lions were playing from behind all game, and, and they didn't run the ball as much as they probably wanted to going forward. Uh, the next game is against the Cleveland Browns, a much better running game in Chubb, one of the better running backs in the league. Again, the very enigmatic team, our good friend Jacoby Brissett will be under center. He's a mobile quarterback. If I had to guess, Rich Hill, I think they will leave Mac Jones out for one more game. Maybe Bailey Zappi starts again on Sunday, and then maybe they'll evaluate Mac Jones for the following week's game. But I have to ask, because it wouldn't be a Patriots Boston media podcast if I didn't at least broach the topic in some capacity. If Mac Jones keeps starting because Mac Jones, uh, excuse me, if Bailey Zappi keeps starting because Mac Jones' rehab is taking more time than we need, as it should, as long as he needs, he should get, and he just keeps on winning, and he just keeps on winning, how long before the talking heads out there start saying, put Zappi in, trade Mac Jones? Or has it already started? <laughs> have, have they not started already? I, I, think, uh, I, I think what they need to see before those things happen is not just the wins, um, although that would definitely contribute to it, it's just that Zappy hasn't had like his signature offensive play. Like if, if he leads a massive comeback against, I don't know, even the Browns in Cleveland, like that could start the waves. Um, but he, he is not being asked to do anything outside of the offense where Mac Jones was asked to, you know, make throws deep down the field. And if and when Zappi starts making those throws and like he was worlds more comfortable against the Lions than he was against the Packers. And I imagine, I mean, I agree with you. I think he'll start against the Browns. If he has like even more growth in his comfort, like we saw during the preseason where he just like became exponentially more comfortable. I think that we could start seeing them open up the offense a little bit more, you know, as Tyquan Thornton's a little bit more involved, maybe get some more passes to Devonte Parker. Um, but in, unless Zappi shows that he can make some of the throws that Mac Jones can, I don't think any amount of win streak could cause the team to like even really honestly consider making that change. Thinking of like the the Cowboys, like Cooper Rush, five and zero as a starter for the Cowboys, but it's very clear that he's not as talented as Dak Prescott. And I, I think we're in that same spot at this point in time. Can can Bailey Zappi get there? Uh, I'm not going to count him out. I mean, he set college records for a reason. Um, but we haven't seen it yet. And until we see that, I feel comfortable saying that the, you know, Mac Jones is heads and shoulders still going to be the starter when he returns. This would be a great test of my theory, Rich Hill for both Cooper rush and Bailey Zappi, where if you start and win a football game in the NFL, some team's going to come calling about you in the off season. Yep. If he wins again on Sunday against Cleveland, he's two and zero as a starter. I can totally see a team like Washington or Carolina who's blowing up the <laughs> franchise right now coming asking and Cooper Rush and Bailey Zappi could both be under center for new teams 
next year in 2023 in exchange for shiny new draft picks. So hopefully Zappi comes out. He does well. I think it's going to be a tougher test against the, page, uh, against the Patriots on Sunday because Cleveland's a very good running team. They have a more mobile quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. They have some weapons. They're one of those teams where, again, I can't figure them out for the life of me. I believe it's at Cleveland, uh, yeah. unless I'm mistaken there. So it should be an interesting game. But – Again, if the defense can play a third of as well as they did against the Lions, uh, Patriots should be at, get the get back to 500 on this one. Yeah, I agree. I think if they protect the football, they'll be in a good situation to do it. Uh, definitely want to like focus on stopping Nick Chubb. And if they can do that, like Jacoby Brissett hasn't been like beating the world or anything like that. Uh, they definitely rely heavily on Chubb and Hunt, their top two yards getters. Amari Cooper, David Njoku are their top two uh, receivers out there. Um but like, yeah, if they Patriots can stop the run, they'll be in a good position. Jacoby Brissett has uh, shown his ceiling in that like whole never like win games outright. Um, but uh, Jacoby Brissett, great career trajectory for Bailey Zappi. If Zappi comes out here and they beat the Browns, uh, I think that will have solidified Zappi as being in a position to have like a 10 year NFL career as a top end backup, uh, which is like, a great floor to have built for yourself just or this early in your career as a rookie. Um, he, he has so much more opportunity to show new heights. Um, but, you know, Brissett, former Patriot guy, came out. They had very similar first starts. Uh, Patriots blanked up was the Houston Texans yeah. when uh, Jacoby Brissett had his first start. That's what Zappi did against the Lions. Um, both of them against, you know, former, uh, what, Patriots coaches. I think it was Bill O'Brien at that time in 2016. Um and uh, I guess Patricia is not there anymore with the Lions, but you know you have that edge there, that team connection. Uh, and, and so I, I think that Zappy is carving out a, a solid place for him. Uh, will the Patriots trade him? I don't know. I think he, as so long as he's on a team-friendly contract, and he, if he plays like this, uh, honestly, there's no reason to keep Hoyer around unless you just want him on the practice squad to be like the coaching player essentially. Um, but if, if anyone should be concerned for their job, it's Brian Hoyer in the sense that I think Zappy is doing everything to show that he can handle it. Uh, he can start in a pinch um, in just, you know, one more strong game from Zappy against a team like this Browns team that like is not great, uh, but they're not bad. They have good talent in their secondary. Um, if if uh, Zappy is able to pull together a win against them, he will be set for the rest of his life. No, it's true. Here come the some team to offer him a massive contract. Rooting for you for a lot of reasons. But, uh, <laughs> I also, I think Brian Hoyer, he's, I think he's like 37, 38. He's getting older. I think he's going to make a fantastic coach. That's probably his next transition. Players love him. He's very knowledgeable of the game. I mention all the time, everyone talks about Brian Patrick as the GOAT journeyman, and everyone sleeps on Brian Hoyer. He's going to be a great coach. I love the Patriots keep him around in some capacity uh, as a as a headset wearing guy, not a quarterback playing guy. But yeah, I mean, look, I think if, if the Patriots can go two and zero over the next two weeks before Mac Jones comes back, they will have a record of five hundred. They will have their franchise quarterback back, and they will have a very serviceable backup and possibly some interesting conversations to have with needy teams in the offseason. And you can't ask for much better than that, considering when Mac Jones went down against the Ravens and had to be carried off the field, we were all like, oh, man, this season's more or less over already. So what a difference two weeks can make. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that uh, the loss against the Packers had one of those uh, you know, like mental effects for me of like, uh, okay, this team's got the heart, though. 
And that's like something that maybe they didn't necessarily have uh, last year when they were getting their, you know, just getting rocked in the final couple of games of the year uh, and like the cowardly coaching in the first quarter of the year. It was just like, okay, the, the, the coaches have no faith in this team and this team doesn't have faith in itself. It feels different this year. It feels like this team is coming together. I love the energy Jack Jones is bringing into the secondary. One of the, you know, according to pro football focus, he's a top three corner in the league already uh, along with Jonathan Jones. They're both in like the top five. So like the defense is in great hands. Players are stepping up. The the youth on this team is really showing that, uh, that they belong in the league. They are uh, continuing to get better and better every single week in a way that, you know, they are exceeding expectations. They will have a great challenge against this Browns team. I believe they're up for it, but we'll break that game down a little bit more later in the week. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week five of the NFL season? No, buddy, that should do it. It's going to be a wild one. All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later. Later.